Welcome to this Uvula audio presentation of The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Kempis. Volume 4, Part 4, The Chapters of Book 4. Here begins the book of Inner Consolation. 1. How Christ Speaks Inwardly to the Soul Let me hear what God the Lord will speak. Blessed are the souls to whom the Lord speaks, and accept the comfort of his word. Blessed are your ears that hear the divine faint murmuring sound, and disregard the whispers of the world. Blessed are the ears that listen clearly to the inward teaching of the truth, rather than to the muttering voices of the world. Blessed are the eyes that are shut to external things, but are fixed on inward things. Blessed are those who penetrate into inner things and prepare every day to accept the secrets of heaven. Blessed are those who strive to be totally devoted to God and who free themselves from all the snares of the world. O oh, my soul, reflect on these things and firmly shut the door against sensual desires so that you may hear what your Lord God is saying within you. For the Beloved says, I am your salvation, your peace in your life. Keep close to me and you will find peace. Dismiss the transitory and grasp at the eternal. For what are the things of time but deceptions? How can any creature help you if your Creator deserts you? So put aside all else and make yourself acceptable to your Creator and be faithful to Him so that you may take hold of real sanctification. 2. How Truth Speaks Inwardly Through Silence Disciple Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I am your servant. Give me understanding so that I may know your decrees. Turn my heart to your decrees. Let your speech descend upon me like the dew. The people of Israel said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us or we will die. I do not pray like this, O Lord, but with the prophet Samuel I humbly and earnestly beg, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Do not let Moses or the prophets speak to me, but may you speak to me, O Lord God, for it is you who inspired and enlightened the prophets. Without you, they could do nothing. Only you can really instruct me without their help. The prophets can preach the word, but they are unable to confer the spirit. They utter fine words, but if you are silent, they cannot inspire the heart. They give us the writings, but you reveal the meaning. They expose mysteries, but you expose the meaning of the secrets. They may teach your laws, but you give us the strength to follow those laws. They point the way, but you grant us the strength to follow it. Their action is external, but you instruct and enlighten the heart. They water the seed, but you make it grow. And they preach the word, but you give understanding to the mind. So do not let Moses speak to me. But you, O Lord my God, the everlasting truth, 
in case I die and bear no fruit. I am warned only by words, but not enthused in my heart, for fear it results in my condemnation if I hear your word but do not obey it. Know your word but do not love it. Believe it but do not keep it. So speak, Lord, your servant is listening. You have the words of eternal life. Speak to me, Lord, and comfort my soul. Turn my life to your praise, glory, and everlasting honor. 3. On hearing the word of God with humility. Christ. My child, hear my words. They are of great sweetness and exceed the learning of the philosophers and the wise of this world. My words are both spirit and life and beyond your understanding. They are not to be quoted out of vain pleasure, but are to be heard quietly and accepted in humility and love. Disciple Happy are those whom you discipline, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your law. You restore them from misfortune so that they will not be desolate on earth. Christ I have taught the prophets from the beginning of the world. I do not cease to speak to people today. But many are hardened and deaf to my voice. Many pay more attention to the world than to God, and prefer to follow their bodily desires rather than becoming acceptable to God. The world is served with great enthusiasm and promises transitory rewards of no value. I promise everlasting and rich rewards, but people's hearts are hardened to them. Who is there who serves and obeys me with as much enthusiasm as they can serve the world and its rulers? Be ashamed, O Sidon, for the sea has spoken. If you ask why this is, I will give you the reason. For a very little reward, someone will rush away on a long journey, while many would hardly take a single step to gain eternal life. People look for trifling gains. They will quarrel shamefully over a single coin. They will work all day and night for nothing but a vague promise. This is a shame. They are unwilling to suffer a little toil to gain an imperishable good a reward beyond price, and the highest honor and unending glory. Oh, reluctant and complaining servant, it is your shame that worldly people are more prepared for damnation than you are for salvation. They are more willing to seek vanity than you are willing to pursue the truth. Often they are deceived in their aspirations, but no one is ever deceived by my promises. Never did I send anyone who trusts in me away empty. I give what I promise. I will perform what I have proclaimed. As long as you remain faithful to the end, I will reward all good people and vindicate all the faithful. It will help you at times of temptation to write my words in your heart and consider them deeply. When you are reading, whatever you do not understand, you will discover on the day of my coming. I visit my chosen ones in two ways, with testing and with consolation. Each day I teach them two lessons, one when I correct their faults, and the other when I encourage them to progress in virtue. The one who rejects me and does not receive my word has a judge. 
On the last day, the word that I have spoken will serve as judge. A prayer for the grace of devotion. O Lord my God, you are my total good. Who am I that I should dare speak to you? I am the poorest of your servants and a miserable worm, much poorer and more worthless than I can ever understand or explain. Yet, Lord, remember that I am nothing. I have nothing. I can do nothing. You alone are just, good, and holy. You can do all things, give all things, fill all things, and leave only the wicked with nothing. Be mindful of your mercy, O Lord, and of your steadfast love, and fill my heart with your grace. For it is your will that none of your deeds should be empty. Can I endure my life of sorrows unless you strengthen me with your grace and mercy? Do not hide your face from me. Do not delay in your coming. Do not remove your consolation from me in case my soul becomes like a dry desert. Teach me to do your will. Teach me to live well and humbly in your sight. You are my wisdom. You know me well and knew me before the world was made and before I existed. 4. On living in truth and humility in the sight of God. Christ. My child, walk before me in truth and continually seek me with a blameless heart. Those who walk with me in truth will be protected against the attacks of evil and freed from deceivers and the slanders of the wicked. If truth sets you free, you are free indeed, and you can ignore the vain words of others. Disciple Lord, this is true. I beg you, let it be done to me as you have said. May your truth teach me. May it defend me and lead me to ultimate salvation. May I be free from evil passions and lawless love. With my heart set free, I will walk with you. Christ in truth, I will teach you what is right and pleasing in my eyes. Recall your sins with great sorrow and displeasure, and whatever good deeds you may have done, think nothing of yourself. Remember that you are a sinner trapped and chained by many passions. In yourself, you tend always to emptiness. You quickly fail and are overcome. You are rapidly disturbed and overthrown. You have nothing to boast about but many things about which to be ashamed, for you are much weaker than you realize. Do not regard anything you have done as being important. Do not let anything seem great, valuable, or admirable to you. Nothing is worthy of respect, nothing eminent, praiseworthy, or desirable, except that which is eternal. Let your one and only joy be in the truth, and let your own miserable unworthiness always upset you. Nothing should be more feared, condemned, and rejected than your own sins and vices. These should cause you more distress than if you lost everything. Some do not live obediently before me, but, inspired by curiosity and arrogance, they wish to know my secrets and to discover the great mysteries of God, while ignoring the salvation of their own souls. When I refuse this, some people, because of their pride and inquisitiveness, often fall into great temptations and sin. 
Stand in awe of God's decrees and fear the vengeance of Almighty God. Do not be so arrogant as to explore the ways of the Most High, but rather examine yourself. See how greatly you have sinned and how much good you have neglected. Some pursue their devotions solely through books, pictures, and other outward signs and illustrations. Some have me on their lips, but few in their hearts. There are others who are intellectually enlightened and have pure hearts and long for the things of heaven. These are reluctant to listen to worldly affairs. They completely understand the words of the Spirit of Truth within them, for he teaches them to reject earthly things and to love heavenly things, to forsake this world and long for heaven. 5. On the Amazing Effect of Divine Love Disciple O Heavenly Father of my Lord Jesus Christ, may your name be blessed forever, for you have seen fit to think of me, the poorest of your servants. Father of all mercies and God of all consolation, I thank you that, unworthy as I am, you sometimes revive me with your consolation. Blessing and honor be to you, with your only begotten Son, and with the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, now and through all eternity. You are my glory and the joy of my heart, for you are my help and my refuge in the day of trouble. But now my love is weak and my goodness imperfect, so that I have great need of your strength and comfort. So I pray, visit me often and teach me with your holy laws. Release me from evil and perverse passions, and heal my heart from disorderly emotions, so that healed and cleansed in spirit I may grow more able to love, strong to endure, and constant in perseverance. Love is a mighty power, a total and immense good. Love alone lifts every burden and makes the rough places smooth. It carries every hardship as if it were nothing and makes all bitterness sweet and acceptable. The love of Jesus is wonderful and inspires us to noble actions. It encourages us to always desire perfection. Love yearns for higher things and is not held back by worthless things. Love wants to be free and a stranger to worldly desires, lest its inner vision become dimmed and lest worldly self-interest restrain it or bad luck leave it behind. Nothing is sweeter than love. Nothing is stronger, nothing higher, nothing broader, nor more pleasing, nor larger or better in heaven or on earth. For love is born of God and lies only in God above all created things. Love flies, runs, and jumps for joy. It is free and unlimited. Love gives all for all, abiding in one who is higher than all things from whom all goodness flows and emerges. Love is not concerned with gifts, but looks to the giver of all good gifts. Love knows no bounds and strongly transcends all barriers. Love feels no burdens and ignores hard work and aims at things beyond his powers. Love sees nothing as impossible, for it feels able to achieve all things. So love can do great things, 
and is effective in his tasks, whereas those who lack love fail and faint. Love is vigilant, and while it rests, it never sleeps. When weary, it is not exhausted. Imprisoned, it is never in chains. Disturbed, it is never afraid. It is a living flame, a burning light, that moves upward and overcomes every obstacle. Those who love God recognize the sound of his voice. The burning love of the soul cries out to the ears of God. My God and my love, you are mine, and I am yours. A Prayer O Lord, deepen your love in me so that I may learn in my own heart how good it is to love, to be melted and to plunge myself into your love. Let your love possess and lift me above myself and to an enthusiasm and awe beyond imagining. Let me sing the song of love. Let me follow you, my beloved, to the heights. Let my soul be drained in your praise, celebrating love. Let me love you more than myself, and myself only for your own sake. Let me love all those who truly love you, and the law of love, which shines out from your commands. Love is fast, pure, tender, joyful, and satisfying. Love is strong, patient, faithful, wise, tolerant, energetic, and never self-serving. For when someone is self-serving, they give up love. Love is attentive, humble, and righteous. Love is not capricious or sentimental, nor is it obsessed with superficial things. It is sensible, honest, reliable, quiet, and restrained in all ways. Love is submissive and obedient to superiors, mean, and contemptible in its own sight, but devoted and grateful to God. It trusts and hopes in Him, even when there is no sweetness of joy, for no one can live in love without suffering. Whoever is not willing to endure everything and stand firmly by the will of the Beloved is not worthy to be called a lover. Love must freely accept every hardship and bitterness for the sake of the beloved, and in adversity must never desert him. 6. Undemonstrating True Love Christ My child, you are not yet a brave and wise lover. Disciple Why, Lord? Christ Because as soon as you face a little trouble, you give up what you have started and desperately seek consolation. A brave lover stands firm in temptation and ignores the subtle arguments of the devil. He is as true to me in adversity as in prosperity. A wise lover respects not so much the gift of the lover as the love of the giver. The affection is appreciated more than the gift, but every gift is valued less than the beloved. A worthy lover is not content with the gift, but desires me above all gifts. So sometimes you do not feel the devotion to me and my saints that you desire. All is not lost. The good and sweet affection 
which you sometimes enjoy as the result of my grace in you and as a foretaste of your heavenly habitation. Do not rely on it too much, because it comes and goes. It is a valuable sign of virtue and merit, if you fight against recurring evil thoughts and reject scornfully the proposals of the devil. Do not be disturbed by strange impulses, wherever they come from. Stick boldly to your purpose and focus your proper objective on God alone. If you are sometimes caught up in ecstasy, it is no illusion. But then you quickly return to your normal trivial thoughts, for these are involuntary, not deliberate. And as long as they do not please you, they can be turned to your gain and not to your loss. You can be sure that the old enemy is working by every means possible to frustrate your desire for good and to entice you away from every spiritual exercise and devotion. From the veneration of the saints, from the devout consideration of my passion, from beneficial examination of your sins, from the guarding of your heart, and from the determination to grow in holiness. The devil imposes many evil thoughts to discourage you and draws you away from spiritual reading and prayer. He despises humble confession, and if he could, he would make you give up Holy Communion. Do not listen to him or believe in him. However often he tries to ensnare you, accuse him of it when he suggests evil and unholy things. Say to him, Out of my sight, Satan, be ashamed, miserable wretch. You are really foul to speak of these things. Away with you, most evil of liars. You shall have no place in me. Jesus will be with me like a mighty warrior, and you will be confounded. I would rather die and suffer any torture than agree with you. Keep silent and hold your tongue. I will not listen to you any longer, however often you pester me. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Fight like a good soldier, and if weakness leads you to fall sometimes, recover great strength and put your trust in more abundant grace. Also, be on your guard against conceit and self-love. This can lead many into error, and sometimes causes complacency and almost incurable blindness of heart. Let the overthrowing of the proud, who trusted in their own strength, be a warning to you, and keep you perpetually humble. 7. On Grace Concealed Under Humility Christ. My child, it is safer and better for you to hide the grace of devotion. Do not boast about it. Do not speak frequently about it, and do not think much about it. It is better to think very humbly of yourself, to fear that this grace has been granted to someone who is unworthy of it. Never rely much on feelings, for they may be quite quickly changed into their opposite. When you rejoice in grace, Consider how sad and needy you are without it. Progress in the spiritual life depends not so much on enjoying consoling grace as on accepting its withdrawal with humility, resignation, and patience, and without growing weary in prayer or neglecting other acts of devotion. To the best of your ability and understanding, do willingly whatever lies in your power 
and do not neglect your life of prayer because of dryness or anxiety. There are many who become impatient or lazy when things do not go the way they want, but our life is not always under our control. It is up to God to offer consolation when he wishes, as much as he wishes, and to whom he wishes, just as he pleases and no more. Some careless people have brought ruin on themselves in their experience of devotion by attempting things beyond their powers and ignoring the measure of their own insignificance by following the promptings of their heart rather than rational judgment. Because they presumed greater things than God expects of them, they soon lost his grace. These souls who sought to build their nest beyond the clouds became needy and wretched outcasts. Thus they were brought low and into poverty, so that they might learn not to fly with their own wings, but to put themselves under my wings. Those who are still new and untested in the ways of the Lord can easily be deceived and lost, unless they are guided by wise advice. That they follow their own ideas rather than trust other experienced people their end will be perilous unless they are willing to be weaned away from their own conceits. For those who are wise in their own conceit rarely accept with humility the guidance of others. A little knowledge and understanding tempered by humility is better than a great treasury of knowledge linked to self-satisfaction. It is better to have a few talents than many which can lead to conceit. Those who surrender to happiness forgetful of their former poverty, are very unwise. For they forget the pure reverence for the Lord which is frightened to lose grace which has been given. Nor is someone wise who in times of adversity gives in to despair and does not trust in me. Those who feel secure in times of peace can often be discouraged and afraid in times of war. If you took care to stay humble and modest about yourself, and to direct and control your mind in moderation, you would not so easily fall into danger and disgrace. When the devotional spirit is aflame in you, you will be well advised to consider how you will behave when that light leaves you. When this does happen, remember that this light, which I have temporarily withdrawn, is a warning to you and is for my glory and will return one day. Such testing is more often beneficial than if all went well with you and in accordance with your wishes. For our worthiness is not to be measured by visions and comfort we may enjoy, nor by knowledge of the scriptures, nor by being lifted to an elevated position. It is rather measured by being steeped in humility and filled with the love of God, by simple, regular, and sincere seeking for God's glory by low esteem and deprecation of ourselves, and by preferring to be despised and humiliated rather than the great honors that others receive. 8. On Humility in the Sight of God Disciple Let me take it upon myself to speak to the Lord, I who am dust and ashes. If I think of myself as anything more than that, you confront me and my sins, which I cannot refute, and bear true witness against me. 
But if I humble myself and admit my nothingness, if I reject all my self-esteem and reduce myself to the dust that I really am, then your grace will come to me and your light will come into my heart. So the last trace of self-esteem will be swallowed up in the depths of my own nothingness and vanish forever. In this way you reveal my true self to me, what I am, what I have been, and what I have become. Because in myself I am nothing, and I did not realize it. By myself I am nothing, and am all weakness. But if for a moment you look on me, I become strong once again and am filled with new joy. It amazes me how quickly you lift up and enfold me with your grace, who on my own would fall into the depths. It is your love that achieves this, guiding and supporting me freely in many needs, guarding me from terrible dangers, and as I honestly confess, saving me from endless evils. Since by pernicious self-love I had lost myself, now by seeking to love you alone I have found both you and myself. By that love I have humbled myself into total nothingness. Sweetest Lord, you treat me much better than I deserve, and above all that I dare to hope or pray for. O oh, my blessed Lord God, I am not worthy of any blessings, yet your kindness and endless goodness never stop benefiting even those who are ungrateful and have strayed far from me. Turn our hearts to you so that we may be grateful, humble, and dedicated, for you are our salvation, our power, and our strength. 9. Everything relates to God as our last end. Christ. My child, if you desire to be truly blessed, I must be your highest and final end. Too often your affections are wrongly focused on yourself or other creatures. But if they are fixed on me, they will be cleansed. When you seek yourself in anything, you at once become discouraged and desolate. So refer everything to me, for it is I who have given everything to you. Realize that everything emerges from the supreme good, because they must all return to me as their creator. Draw the water of life from me, as from a living fountain, small and great, rich and poor alike. Those who freely and gladly serve me will receive grace upon grace. But whoever seeks to rejoice in anything other than me, or to delight in some personal benefit, will not be grounded in true joy or be free of heart. They will be hindered and frustrated in many ways. So ascribe nothing good to yourself or anyone else, but attribute everything to God, without whom you have nothing. I have given everything, and I desire that everything will return to me again. I shall demand a grateful and exact account. It is this truth which puts to root all false glory. If heavenly grace and true love enter in, there will be no envy or meanness of heart, nor will self-love predominate. For God's love conquers everything and increases every power of the soul. If you are really wise, you will rejoice and hope in me alone. For no one is good except God alone. He is to be praised above all and to be blessed in all. 
10. On despising the world and the joy of serving God. Disciple. Lord, I cannot keep silent. I will speak once more. I will say to my Lord, my God and my King, who lives on high, Oh, how abundant is your goodness that you have laid up for those who fear you. But what are you to those who love you? What are you to those who serve you with their whole heart? The contemplation of yourself is endless sweetness, which you lavish on those who love you. The great demonstration of your love is shown in that when I had no being, you created me. When I went astray, you brought me back to your service and taught me to love you. O source of eternal love, what can I say of you? How can I forget you who have consented to remember me, even after I was corrupted and lost? The mercy you have shown to your servant is beyond all my expectations. You have given grace and friendship beyond all that I deserve. What return can I make to you for this grace? For it is not given to all of us to surrender everything, to renounce the things of the world, and enter into religious life. All creation is bound to serve you, so is it a wonderful thing that I should serve you? It should not seem much to me that I should serve you, but it is a great wonderful thing for me that you are willing to accept into your service one so poor and unworthy and be willing to count me among your beloved servants. All that I have is yours, including myself. But it is you who serve me rather than I serving you. You created heaven and earth for the use of humanity, and they await your pleasure and obey your laws every day. And this is very little since you have appointed your angels to minister to us. But above all this, you come down yourself to serve us and have promised us the gift of yourself. What return can I make for all these endless gifts? If only I could serve you faithfully all the days of my life. If only I could offer you proper service for even a single day. For you alone are worthy of all service, honor, and everlasting praise. You are truly my God, and I am your poor servant, bound to serve with all my ability. Nor should I ever tire of praising you. It is my wish and desire that I ask you to supply me in whatever is lacking. It is a great honor and glory to serve you and to despise everything else for your sake. Great grace will be given to those who have entered willingly into your most holy service. Those who for your love have renounced all the delights of the flesh will discover the delectable consolations of the Holy Spirit. Those who enter the narrow way and put aside all worldly interests for your name's sake will win true freedom of mind. O gracious and joyful service of God, in which we are made truly free and holy! O sacred state of devout service, which makes us equal to the angels, pleasing to God, terrifying to devils, and an example to all faithful people! O most lovely and desirable service, in which we receive the reward of the supreme God and gain the joy that lasts forever. 11. The desires of the heart need to be examined and disciplined. 
Christ. My child, you still have many things to learn. Disciple. Lord, what are these? Christ. You must shape your desires in accordance with my will, and not love yourself, but be a disciple of my wishes. Desires often inflame you and violently drive you forward, but reflect on whether you are moved most by your self-interest or by my honor. If I am the reason, you will be satisfied with whatever I shall decide. But if your hidden motive is self-interest, this will be an obstacle and a burden to you. So take care not to depend excessively on any preconceived desire without asking my advice, in case you come to regret or be displeased with what at first satisfied you and for which you were very enthusiastic. Not every feeling that seems good should be acted upon at once, nor should every feeling that runs contrary to your inclinations be rejected immediately. It is sometimes necessary to restrain even your good intentions and endeavors in case by too much enthusiasm your mind becomes distracted or by lack of discipline you offend others or you suddenly become confused and upset by the opposition of others. You must bravely and forcibly resist your sensual appetite, ignoring what the body likes or dislikes, and struggle to subdue the unwilling flesh to the spirit. For unless it is obedient in everything, it must be corrected and brought under control. It must learn to be content with little and to take pleasure in simple things and not complain of any hardship. 12. On Gaining Patience and Resisting Evil Desires Disciple O Lord God, I know that endurance is necessary above all else, for in this life there are many trials. However earnestly I seek peace, I cannot escape struggle and sorrow. Christ this is true, my child, but it is my desire that you do not try to find somewhere free of troubles and temptations. It is better to seek a peace that endures, even when you are disturbed by various temptations and tested by great adversity. If you say you cannot endure much, how will you endure the fires of purgatory? Always choose the lesser of two evils. For God's sake, try to endure patiently all the ills of this life so that you may escape everlasting punishment. Do you think that people in this world suffer little or nothing? Ask the richest people, and you will find that is not the case. But you may reply, They enjoy many pleasures, and they follow their own desires. In that way, they make light of their afflictions. But even if they enjoy what they desire, how long will it last? The rich of this world will be dispersed like smoke, and no memory of their past pleasures will remain. Even while they are living, they do not enjoy them without bitterness, weariness, and fear, for the very things from which they derive their pleasures often carry with them the seeds of sorrow. And this is only right, for having sought and followed pleasures to excess, they cannot enjoy them without shame and bitterness. How short-lived and false! 
disorderly and ignoble all these pleasures are. Yet such people are besotted and blind, so that, like dumb animals, they bring death to their souls by the passing enjoyments of this corruptible world. My child, do not follow your lusts or be self-willed. Delight in the Lord, and he will grant you your heart's desire. If you wish to taste real pleasure and receive the fullness of my consolation, realize that your blessing will come from despising worldly things and resisting low desires. In this way you will gain abundant blessings. The more you withdraw yourself from worldly comforts, the sweeter and stronger consolation you will find in me. But you will not find these all at once, or without sorrow, work, and effort. Old habits will be obstacles, but through better habits they will be overcome. The body will complain, but a fervent spirit can discipline it. That ancient serpent will provoke and disturb you, but he will be put to flight by prayer. By profitable work, you close the wide path through which he comes to attack you. 13. On humble obedience after the example of Christ. Christ. My child, whoever tries to break away from obedience leaves grace behind. Those who seek personal privileges lose those which are common to everyone. When someone is reluctant to obey a superior freely and willingly, it is a sign that the lower nature is not yet under control, but often rebels and complains. So if you wish to subdue your lower nature, learn to obey your superior promptly. For the external enemy is more easily conquered if the inner being is not broken down. When you are not in harmony with the spirit, there is no enemy more wicked or troublesome for the soul than yourself. If you are to triumph over flesh and blood, you must have real contempt for yourself. You are not willing to surrender your own to others because you are still full of self-love. Is it such a great thing for you who are only dust and nothing to submit yourself to another for God's sake? When I, the Almighty and Most High, who created everything out of nothing, humbly submitted myself to humanity for your sake? I became the humblest and least of all, so that through my humility you might overcome your pride. You who are but dust must learn to obey. You who are earth and clay must learn to humble yourself and grovel before the feet of all. Learn to restrain your desires and surrender yourself to total obedience. Turn your anger on yourself and do not allow swollen pride to remain in you. Show yourself to be so submissive and humble that everyone may walk on you and trample over you like the mud in the streets. You worthless person, what right have you to complain? What can you, an unclean sinner, reply to anyone who castigates you when you have so often offended God and so many times deserved hell? But I have spared you, for your soul was precious to me so that you may know my love and always be grateful for my kindness. Also accept patiently any contempt laid on you in order that you might continuously give yourself 
to true obedience and humility. 14. On the need to consider God's secret judgments and not to rejoice in goodness. Disciple. Your judgments thunder against me, Lord. My bones tremble and shake with fear, and my soul is greatly frightened. I stand awestruck, reflecting that the very heavens are not innocent in your sight. If you find your angels at fault and you did not spare them, what can be my fate? Even the stars fall from heaven. What then of me who am but dust? People with praiseworthy actions have fallen into the pit, and I have seen those who have fed with the bread of angels guzzling pigs of food. Lord, if you would draw yourself, there can be no holiness. If you cease to guide, no wisdom will help. If you cease to defend us, no courage can sustain us. If you do not guard us, no purity is safe. No watchfulness of our own can save us unless your holy direction protects us. For if you abandon us, we drown and perish. But if you come to us, we are raised up and live again. We are unreliable unless you strengthen us. We are cold and dull unless you inflame us with enthusiasm. How humble and insignificant I am. If there is any good in me, it is as nothing. Lord, I submit myself in all humility to your mysterious judgments. O immeasurable greatness, I acknowledge my total nothingness. O impassable ocean, now I see myself as totally and wholly nothing. Where can pride conceal itself now? Where's my previous confidence in my virtue now? All my empty conceits are swallowed up in the depths of your judgments upon me. What is all flesh in your eyes? Can the clay boast against him who shaped it? Can anyone who is truly subject to God be puffed up with vain boasting? The whole world cannot lift up someone whom the truth has made subject to itself. Nor can anyone who has put all hope in God be moved by the words of those flatterers. Even those who speak like this are nothing. They will pass away with the sound of their own words. But the truth of the Lord stands fast forever. 15. How we should act and speak in relation to our desires. Christ. My child, let your prayer always be, Lord, if it be your will, let it be so. Lord, if this is good and beneficial, give me the grace to use it for your glory. But if it harms or hurts my soul's health, then I pray, take this desire out of my mind. Not every desire comes from the Holy Spirit, even if it seems right and good. It is frequently hard to decide whether a desire springs from good or evil motives, or whether it arises out of your own impulses. Many who at first seem to be led by the Holy Spirit are finally deceived. So whatever the mind considers beneficial is only to be desired and sought in the fear of God and with humility. Above all, entrust everything to me. 
and commit yourself totally to me, saying, Lord, you know what is best. Let everything be in accordance with your will. Grant what you will, as much as you will, and when you will. Do with me as you will, and as best and pleasing to you, and as most to your glory. I am in your hands. Guide me according to your will. I am your servant, and I am ready for anything. I do not wish to live for myself, but only for you. How I wish I could serve you suitably and perfectly. A Prayer That the Will of God Be Done Disciple Most gracious Jesus, grant me your grace, I pray. Let it live in me and work in me and stay in me until the end. Grant me the will and desire to always do what is most pleasing and acceptable to you. Let your will be mine, and let my will always follow and be conformed totally to your own. May my will be one with yours, and unable to do anything other than what you like or dislike. May I die to all things in this world, and for your sake love to be despised and unknown. Above all, let me rest in you, so that my heart may find peace in you alone. For you are the real peace of the heart, its proper resting place, and away from you all is hard and restless. I will live and take my rest in the real peace, which is in you, the final, supreme, and everlasting good. Amen. 16. How true comfort is found in God alone. Disciple. Whatever I wish or hope for in consolation, I do not expect to find now, but later. For if I were to enjoy all the pleasures of the world and were able to experience all its delights, they would certainly pass away. So my soul can never find total satisfaction or a complete refreshment except in God alone. He is the comfort of the poor and the defender of the humble. Be patient, my soul. Wait for the completion of God's promise and you will enjoy the richness of his goodness in heaven. But if you long excessively for the good things in life, you will lose those of heaven and eternity. So put to good use the things of the world, but only desire the things that are eternal. The things of this world will never satisfy you because you were not created for the simple enjoyment of them. If you enjoyed everything that exists, this would not in itself bring you blessing and happiness. For all true joy and blessing lies in God alone, who is the creator of all things. Those who foolishly love this world cannot see or admire this sort of happiness. It is only sought by the good and faithful servants of Christ. They are those who are spiritual and pure at heart, whose thoughts are on heaven and sometimes enjoy a foretaste of it. All human consolation is empty and brief. Blessing and true comfort is received inwardly from the truth. A devout person always carries Jesus the Comforter in the heart and says to him, Lord Jesus, stay with me everywhere and at all times. Let this be my comfort, to be ready and willing to go without all earthly comfort. And if your consolation is missing, may your holy will and just judgment of my life be my greatest comfort for you will not always be angry, 
nor will you condemn me forever. 17. How must we put our whole trust in God? Christ. My child, let my will be your guide. I know what is best for you. Your understanding is human and your judgment is affected by your personal concerns. Disciple. Lord, what you say is true. Your concern will order my life better than I can myself. Those who do not place their anxiety on you will be very insecure. Lord, keep my will steadfast and true to you. Do with me whatever you please, for everything is good which comes to me through your will. If you want me to be in darkness, blessed be your name. If it is light, blessed be your name. If you grant me comfort, blessed be your name. And if you wish to test me, blessed be your name forever. Christ. My child, if you wish to walk with me, may this be your inclination. Be just as ready to suffer as to be happy. Be as willing to be poor and needy as to enjoy wealth and prosperity. Disciple. Lord, I will accept gladly whatever you will send to me. I will accept gladly from your hand both good and evil, sweet and bitter, joy and sorrow. And I will thank you whatever happens to me. Lord, just keep me from all sin, and I will fear neither death nor hell. I ask that you do not reject me forever, nor remove my name from the book of life. Then, whatever trials afflict me can do me no harm. Book 4 will be continued in the next volume.